Welcome to Choice Classic Radio, where we bring to you the greatest old-time radio shows. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and thank you for donating at choiceclassicradio.com. This is Ronald Coleman, inviting you to radio's most dramatic half hour. Favorite story. theatrical producer chooses a favorite story, you may be sure he has his eye on strong dramatic values. To be a hit on Broadway, they say you must either roll them in the aisles or glue them to their seats. So we were very interested in the choice made by Mr. Brock Pemberton, who is responsible for the Pulitzer Prize play Harvey and dozens of other stage hits. Between acts one show-going night on Broadway... Mr. Pemberton told us his favorite story was one of the most exciting and colorful novels of our language, Charlotte Bronte's Jane Eyre. This is one of the glue-them-to-their-seats variety. And if you don't know this bleak and moving story, I'll wager you'll never forget it. Here's Brock Pemberton's favorite story, Act One. Last night I came back to Thornfield Hall. I expected to see the familiar stately manor house. I saw a blackened ruin. Thornfield Hall had been burned and gutted. The front of it was a shell-like wall with painless windows. No roof, no battlements, no chimneys. Only ruin. The silence of death about me. Then I remembered the first night I came to Thornfield Hall. I was only 18, fresh out of school, the new governess. My advertisement had been answered by Mrs. Fairfax. It was Mrs. Fairfax who met me in the large, dark sitting room. I'll show you to your room directly, my dear. Thank you very much. Mind your step. There's not much light on this stairway. Shall I have the pleasure of seeing Miss Fairfax tonight? Who is that, my dear? Miss who? Miss Fairfax. My pupil. You mean Miss Clarence. Then she's not your daughter. No, I have no family. Here's your room. I hope you'll find it pleasant. It's very nice. Thank you. We try to keep the house in good order, even though Mr. Rochester rather avoids it. Mr. Rochester? Who's he? Why, the owner of Thornfield. Didn't you know that? I didn't. I thought Thornfield belonged to you. To me? Oh, bless your child, what an idea. I'm only the housekeeper. And the little girl? Matthew? She's Mr. Rochester's ward. I'll bid you good night now, Miss Eyre. You've had a long trip. Good night, Miss Fairfax. What was that? Miss Fairfax, yes? Did you hear that laugh? Who is it? Oh, some of the servants, very likely. Perhaps Grace Poole. You heard it, didn't you? Yes, plainly. I often hear her. Grace? Yes? Too much noise, Grace. Remember directions. Yes, Mrs. Fairfax. Good night, Miss Eyre. I'm certain you won't be disturbed again. 
it was quite a while after I'd come to Thornfield Hall that I met its master, Edward Rochester. One night, I was summoned to the drawing room. He sat in a huge chair by the fire. Mrs. Fairfax introduced me. Here is Miss Eyre, sir. Let Miss Eyre be seated. Thank you, sir. And you came from... From Lowood School, sir. Ah, a charitable institution. How long were you there? Eight years. Eight years? No wonder you have the look of another world. Who recommended you to come here? I advertised. Mrs. Fairfax answered my advertisement. And I'm very thankful I did. Miss Eyre's been a kind and careful teacher. Don't trouble yourself to give her a character. I shall judge for myself. You may leave us, Mrs. Fairfax. Yes, sir. Good evening to you, sir. And now tell me, Miss Eyre, what did you learn at Lowood? Can you play? A little. Of course, the established answer. Go to the piano and play a tune. You like it, sir? See, like any other English schoolgirl. Now come here and be seated, Miss Eyre. Very well. Closer, Miss Eyre. Draw your chair closer. I cannot see you without disturbing my position, which I have no mind to do. Ah, that is better. Now, examine me, Miss Eyre. Do you think me handsome? No, sir. What do you mean by that? Sir, I beg your pardon. I ought to have replied that it's Difficult to answer questions about appearance. Tastes mostly different. You ought to have replied no such thing. Go on. What fault do you find with me? Mr. Rochester. Criticize me. Does my face displease you? Am I a fool? Far from it, sir. I'm sorry I displeased you. I bid you good evening. Miss Eyre. My pardon. It's this house. I hate this house. It's this house which makes me ugly. Indeed, I did not find Mr. Rochester ugly. He was moody and harsh, and often cruel. And yet to me, his presence in a room was more cheering than the brightest fire. Why did he hate this house? What grief lay here in Thornfield Hall? One night I lay awake thinking of this. It was late, long after midnight. Suddenly it seemed my chamber door was touched. As if fingers had swept the panels and groping away along the dark gallery outside, I sat upright in bed. Who's there? Who's there? Yes, just so, Grace Poole. 
please say nothing about this incident, Miss Ayer. Very well, sir. Good night. Miss Ayer, you say good night so calmly, and yet you've saved my life. May we shake hands? He held out his hand. I gave him mine. He took it first in one, then in both his own. When Mr. Rochester went away, I missed him. There was no denying this. He was gone two weeks, three weeks. And then Mrs. Fairfax told me he was returning, and there was to be a party. A very large party at Thornfield Hall. We stood at the window the day the carriages rolled toward the park. There was Mr. Rochester on his huge black horse. And Mrs. Fairfax. Who sat riding beside Mr. Rochester? Isn't she lovely? That's Blanche Ingram. They say in the village that Mr. Rochester may marry her. evening of the party, I was requested to bring my pupil to the drawing room. Well, Blanche, here is my ward, Adele. Oh, what a little party. Why do you keep her here, Edward? And why don't you send her off to a school? Schools are very expensive. I should think it is quite expensive to keep a governess. I have not considered the subject. <laughs> you should hear Mama on the subject of governesses. We've had a dozen in our day. Half of them detestable... And the rest, ridiculous. Were they not, Mama? <laughs> I rose and made my exit. In the hallway at the foot of the staircase, I stopped. I heard the door opening behind me. Miss Ayer. Good evening, Mr. Rochester. You were leaving the party too early. I'm tired, sir. And a little depressed? What about, tell me? Nothing, sir. I'm not depressed. But you are so much depressed that a few more words would bring tears to your eyes. I beg to be excused, sir. Yes? I beg your pardon, but there's a visitor, a stranger, who says he must see you. All my guests are here. I expected no one else. He says his name is Mason. Mason? Rochester. And he's from the West Indies. Jamaica, I believe, he said. Jean. Jean, here, stand by me. That night, when the entire company was asleep, there suddenly came a piercing cry from the third story. The entire company rushed from their room. Heavenly Rochester, he's not in his room. Here, be composed, all of you. I'm coming. Well, Edward, what's happened? Tell us at once. Nothing at all, my friends. A servant has had a nightmare, that is all. She's an excitable, nervous person, and I've quieted her down. Now, please return to your rooms, all of you. Oh, well, if you say so, what was? Thank you, my friend. Jane, I want you. Yes. I need your help. You don't turn sick at the sight of blood. I think not. Give me your hand. Come this way. Softly. Up these stairs, Jean. been an accident here, Jane. Mr. Mason's been wounded. Yes, I think, sir. Badly. Keep your eyes away from that bolted door, Jane. No matter how much scratching and pounding you may hear, 
Yes, sir. I want you to sponge Mr. Mason's wound while I get the carriage to take him away. Rochester. Rochester, I... I didn't know she was so bad. I warned you not to go in there alone, Mason. I only wanted to see her. Don't talk. And if you tell this girl anything while I'm gone to get the carriage, I'll not answer for the consequences. I'll, I'll not tell her anything. But Rochester. Yes. Her in there. Let her be taken care of. Let her be treated tenderly. I do my best, Mason, and have done it and will do it. Would to God there was an end to all this. <laughs> now for Act Two of Brock Pemberton's favorite story, Jane Eyre. Our radio cast stars William Conrad as Mr. Rochester and Peggy Webber as Jane. You know, a human being can undergo great emotional strain when faced with a visible adversary. But it's the invisible, the unknown, that breaks the human spirit. We can cope with fear by daylight, but who is not shaken by terror in the night? In a house of such terror, we find Jane Eyre. How long was I to remain at Thornfield Hall? The answer came sooner than I expected. I was in the garden one night, studying the pattern the moonlight made on the lawn. Suddenly he appeared. Do you find Thornfield a more pleasant place in the white of moonlight? Terribly beautiful tonight. You have become attached to this place, Jane. Very. That's a pity. Must I leave you? Must I move on? I believe you must, Jane. Then you are going to be married. Exactly. Soon. Very soon. I will advertise for another position immediately. I have already recommended you for one. With some friends of mine in Ireland. You'll like Ireland, I think. There are warm, friendly people there. Long way off, sir. The sea is such a barrier. From what, Jane? From England. From Thornfield. Yes. And from you, sir. Oh. Do you feel I am anything akin to you, Jane? Because sometimes I have the strangest feeling in regard to you. Especially when you're near me like this. It's as if some chord in me were knotted to a chord in you. I wish I'd never come to food. Because you're sorry to leave it? I love it here. I've lived since I entered Thornfield. I've talked face to face with an equal for the first time in my life. I've known you. It fills me with terror to know that I will never see you again. I see the necessity of leaving. But it's like looking at the necessity of death. Where do you see the necessity? Haven't you placed it before me? In what shape? In the shape of Miss Ingram. Your bride. My bride? <gasps> I have no bride. Yes, yes, that's so. And I must go. You've said it yourself. No. No, you must stay. I, I won't let you go, Jane. I must go. Do you think I can stand in nothing to you? Do you think I'm a machine without feeling? Do you think 
because I'm poor, obscure, plain and little, but I'm soulless and heartless, too. I have as much soul as you, and fully as much heart. And if God had gifted me with some beauty and wealth, I should have made it as hard for you to leave me as it is for me to leave you. The moonlight isn't playing tricks on me. You really said that. Let go, let me go. No. No, Jane, no. Be still now, for I have something to ask you. Will you accept my hand and my heart? Moonlight has deceived yourself. You've already made your choice. Yes. And that choice is you, Jane. Miss Ingram? I have no love for her. And she has none for me, as I've taken pains to prove. I caused a rumor to reach her that my fortune was not a third of what she had supposed. The result? coldness from Miss Ingram. I would not, I could not marry such a creature. Oh, you strange, you almost unearthly thing. It's you I love. I entreat you to accept me as a husband. Can you love me, Jane? God pardon me. And man meddle not with me. I have her and I will hold her. What's wrong, my darling? The moon passed behind a cloud. A shadow across your face. Suddenly I felt cold. I was to become mistress of Thornfield Hall. The day of our wedding came quickly. It's a day I shall never forget. I stood at the rail near the altar of the little church and pledge myself in marriage to the man I love. I require and charge you both that if either of you know any impediment why ye may not lawfully be joined together in holy matrimony, ye do now confess it. But thou, Edward Rochester, have this woman for thy lawful... This lawful. marriage cannot go on. What? I declare the existence of an impediment. Mr. Rochester has a wife now living. Edward. Who are you? My name is Briggs. I'm a solicitor from London. I have here a document which affirms that Edward Rochester of Thornfield Hall was married to Bertha Mason at Spanish Town, Jamaica. That does not prove that the woman is still living. She was living a month ago. How do you know? I have a witness to the fact. Well, produce him. Mr. Mason, have the goodness to step forward. Oh, my darling. Mason. You are the man named Mason? I am. Are you aware, sir, whether or not this gentleman's wife is still living? She is now living at Thornfield Hall. I saw her there a month ago. Impossible. I am her brother. Oh. It's impossible, sir. I am an old resident of this neighborhood, and I never heard of a Mrs. Rochester at Thornfield Hall. Oh, by heaven! I took care that none should hear of it. Clergyman, close your book and take off your holy robes. Follow me, all of you. I invite you to the third story of Thornfield Hall to visit my loving wife. <laughs> The entire company climbed those steep and dreadful stairs. We passed through the first room, the room where I attended Mr. Mason a month before. And then Mr. Rochester opened the bolt of door. And we saw her. She will call you and bite you. Keep out of my way. All of you. There, ladies and gentlemen. Good ladies and gentlemen, you see my wife. 
Such is the sole embrace I am ever to know. This is what I wish to have. This young girl who stands so grave and quiet at the mouth of hell. Look at the difference. Then judge me, priest of the gospel and man of the law. And remember with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. Now get out, all of you, while I shut up my prize. I left Thornfield Hall. For many months, I wandered from one position of the governess to another. I had no heart left. And then one night, it's out of a dream, I seemed to hear Edward calling me. Jane. Jane. I listened. It came again. Jane. Jane. I knew then that I must return. I came back to Thornfield Hall. It lay in ashes. There amid the charred ruins, Mrs. Fairfax told me what had happened. The fire broke out in the dead of night. That creature got loose again. And she went directly to your room, Jane, and set fire to it. Edward, is he alive? He's alive, yes. Mr. Levin, thank you. Was he here? Was he at home when the fire broke out? Yes, he went up to the flaming attic to save her, the crazy one. We called out to him that she was on the roof. She was standing there waving her arms, that long black hair streaming against the flames. We saw him approach her, and then Jane, she yelled and gave a spring, and the next minute she lay dead on the pavement. And Edward, was he unhurt? His forehead and eyes were burned, Jane. He can't see. Where is he, Mrs. Fairfax? In the garden, as Go to him, Jane. It's a blessing you've come back. For never was there a love greater than is for you. Here. I was about to take him his tea tray. You carry it in, Jane. Thank you, Mrs. set my tea tray down, Mrs. Fairfax. I won't want it at once. As you wish, sir. Who is it? Tell me quickly, who is it? It is I, Edward. Oh, Jane. Oh, Jane. Let me touch you. Oh, her fingers. The same small, thin fingers. Oh, is it you, Jane? It is, Edward. I've come back to you. I... I am happy to hear your voice. It was kind of you to come visit an old employer... Edward. I trust everything is well with you, Miss Hale. Edward, I love you. Love? Oh, Miss Hale, you don't think I ever meant any of those things I said to you? Then, in those days... Edward. I don't ask for your tears, Miss Hale. It was kind of you to come, and now I must ask you to leave. Me? Yes, immediately, please. All right, Edward. Goodbye. Do you think if I could see like...
like any other man, I would have sent you away. Oh, just to touch you, to feel the softness of your arms. Oh, my darling, I must keep the love I hold for you only in my heart. No, Edward. Jane, I thought you'd gone. I was only closing the door to the outside world, my darling. We will have a world of our own. Oh, Jane. Every night I prayed to God to bring you back to me. I'm here beside you. I shall stay always. You will see again, Edward. With me beside you, you will see. Let the brightness of our love light the way. the favorite story impression of Charlotte Bronte's famous novel, Jane Eyre. Our thanks to William Conrad and Peggy Weber, and a special nod to Helen Geddes, who screamed so convincingly as the mad wife. Our thanks also to Broadway producer Mr. Brock Pemberton, who selected Jane Eyre as this week's favorite story. Next week, a portrait painted in venom, the great novel about a scheming woman named Becky Sharp. Thackeray's unforgettable Vanity Fair. It's the favorite story choice of one of the great novelists of our generation, Mr. Sinclair Lewis. We hope you'll be listening. <laughs>